show The reason why I'm in, I don't know So let's go, cause Ah, so the Canada Club members heard this before the rest of the world that Lyman Sheets and Mr. Josh Sharp have joined Chicago Gaming Company to help them with Cactus Canyon and future projects moving forward with CGC. Now, what's really interesting about this move, and I want to talk about this before I get into other stuff happening in pinball, it's a huge move for CGC. Obviously, for those out there, Cactus Canyon is a game that has a ton of toys. It is a game that has a good layout. It's one of the classic Bally Williams games that most collectors seek out, mainly for its rarity and mainly because it was, I think, the last game before they called it quits was Cactus Canyon. That's why they never finished it. Now, we've got the greatest coder in pinball history is over at CGC. Now, this is probably the greatest pickup by any pinball company this year. This is way better than Steve Ritchie going over to Jersey Jack Pinball. This is way better than Dennis Nordman going over to American Pinball because nobody, and I mean this, nobody makes a game more fulfilling, more long-lasting, more enjoyable for both casual players and for hardcore players than Lyman Sheets. Lyman Sheets is the greatest conductor in pinball software history. And what I mean by that, like a conductor standing in front of all the different elements of a pinball machine, he knows how to make the entire thing come together. And I've loved playing his games, and I think everybody would agree. He's not the easiest to work with. That's why he took forever and a day when he was working over at Stern Pinball, and clearly, Clearly, there was some reason why he left, right? I mean, he did Batman, he did Walking Dead, he did Elvira, he's done a lot of really good games. He did Metallica, like the Lyman Hit Factory just kept going and going and going. He did ACDC. Why would Stern Pinball let him leave unless there was some issue with working with Lyman? Is it a huge loss for Stern Pinball? Possibly, possibly, and I say possibly because Stern has really hired a ton of people in the code department. And it's really probably not going to affect too many of the Stern machines moving forward because as I'm looking at Godzilla, it looks like they know what they're doing really well over at Stern these days. When you see these modern games, Stern really does understand how to implement all this stuff in a way that really, really works. Will it get to the level of Lyman Sheet coding perfection? We don't know yet, right? We don't know yet. I haven't seen a Keith Owen game that has code that's as good as anything Lyman Sheets has ever done. But the dream will never come true, right? We were always dreaming that one day Stern Pinball would have Keith Elwin, Zombie Eddie, and Lyman Sheets all work on the same game together. And what was always weird at Stern is they never put Lyman on the big juggernauts recently, right? They didn't put Lyman on Stranger Things. They didn't put him on Game of Thrones. They didn't put him on Star Wars. They didn't put him on The Mandalorian. He was always on these more like obscure titles. More recently, he was on more of like the obscure titles like Elvira and Batman 66. And also, Josh Sharp is joining CGC as well. And that's the other bit of news I told the Canada Club. Josh Sharp, 
the president of the IFPA, the brother of Zach Sharp over at Stern Pinball, and the son of Roger Sharp, the man that saved pinball. And I think Roger Sharp is working with American Pinball. So the Sharp family is very divided across the pinball landscape. It must be really interesting having dinner over at the Sharp household these days because they really have a lot of proprietary inside information that they should not be sharing with each other because it's a conflict of interest. So I would love it, and Kaneda's saying right now, I would love to sit at the Thanksgiving dinner table with the Sharp family and say, hey guys, what's going on? What are you working on? And I would have almost 80% of the pinball news delivered to me by those three gentlemen. I'm gonna talk a little bit why I'm annoyed with Ryan White over at CGC. Because I do a pinball podcast in which I put up news, rumors, and speculation. And every once in a while, I'll put up a rumor. And a rumor means I'm hearing this, but I can't confirm this is true. I don't have multiple sources confirming it's true. And there's a difference between a rumor and a confirmation, okay? And there's a big difference. And I know a lot of times people like to take my rumors and say, hey, look, he was wrong. It's a rumor. A rumor is not a confirmation. But when I say something is confirmed, it is because I have from a very good source that this is accurate and I know and I trust that source that this is not wrong because there's some sort of firsthand knowledge that the thing I'm going to tell you as my listener is accurate. And I have a bone to pick with Ryan White and here's what that bone to pick is. I knew from someone working on the project at CGC that Lyman Sheets had joined CGC from Stern Pinball, had been over there for a while. And in August, I confirmed that Lyman Sheets was over working on Cactus Canyon with Chicago Gaming Company. And I put up a post that said, Lyman Sheets confirmed working on CGC's Cactus Canyon. And this is what Ryan White said to me. He hit me up when I posted that on my Facebook page. And he said, it's not true. And I said, really? This is actually our conversation. I said, really? I have 10 people saying Lyman is at CGC. Are you saying no? If it's not true, I'll retract. And he wrote back to me, word for word, I wish it was true. Please retract. I appreciate it. Okay. So Ryan White is saying that in August, Lyman Sheets wasn't working on anything with them, which I know is a lie. And then I said, okay. And just to confirm... Lyman not with CGC, and he wrote, nope, he is not. Okay, and I let this slide. I let this slide, I took it down, and I knew it was true, and it is true, but I was doing him a favor by taking it down. Now, I understand if he wanted to break this news to the world and he didn't want Canada to have the scoop, that's one thing. But what you can't do ethically as a company is knowingly knowingly deny something that is true. What you can't do as a company, and I do this for a living, if a media outlet scoops us and shows pictures, let's say they show spy photos of the Corvette Z06 being tested, Chevrolet is not gonna go to that outlet and say, can you take those photos down? There is no Z06 Corvette coming out. And that is exactly what Ryan White did to me. He said, can you take it down? Lyman Sheets is not with CGC. He's not working with CGC on Cactus Canyon. And so that's unethical to do that. He should have either said no comment or you'll just have to wait to see what's happening at CGC. But for him to ask me to take it down, I had an issue with. Now, I let it slide. I let it slide. A couple months go by. And Ryan calls me this week and is like, big news. He tells me what's happening. And he says to me this. He's like, you know, I'm going to give you the scoop on this. I'm going to let you report that not just Lyman Sheets, but also Josh Sharp is going over to CGC 
and I'm going to give you the scoop and you're going to be allowed to say it exclusively to your listeners. And I'm like, okay, I'll work with this guy. I know that last time he burned me on this, but I'll work with him on this. And so what happens? He tells me he's going to get me everything to put up. And, and I said that, look, Ryan, the scoop I took down for you that is now accurate you're now asking me to hold it back to a date we agree upon. I was like, you know what? I'll do that. And he said, look, you can have it. I'm going to give you all the information Wednesday night and you can go live Thursday with everything. I'm like, okay. So Wednesday night comes nothing. And I said, look, if I don't get information Wednesday night, I'm going out with it. Now I went out with it to my club members. I didn't go out with it to anyone else. And then he said, don't talk about Josh Sharp I will get you the Josh Sharp information by Thursday late afternoon. And that's what he said to me. Thursday late afternoon comes. Ryan, do you have anything for me? Ignores me. Ignores me. Okay. So I go out with the Josh Sharp information. He also said to me, I will not put out the press release until Monday. All right. He said Monday. He's like, Chris, I'll give you the entire end of the week and the weekend to have the exclusive on this. And Monday, I'm putting out the press release. Okay, great. Thank you. I appreciate it. What happens? Friday, he just dumps the press release. Absolutely no communication. And my big beef is this. It's Ryan, you called me up. You asked me to help you get this news out there in an exciting way. And I did you a favor by taking down that Lyman thing last time. And then you just go MIA. You don't live up to anything you said you were going to do. You didn't give me anything when you said you were going to give it to me. And I just want to say this to all my listeners. I've done over 600 podcasts about pinball. I take my reporting very seriously. Yes, I want to have fun. Yes, I want to entertain. But when I'm telling you something is going to happen because someone at a company told me they were going to give it to me on that date, I don't like being burned like that. If I tell you David Fix is going to come on the show this week and then David Fix doesn't get back to me all week, that doesn't make me happy because it makes me look like I don't know what's going on with my own show. It makes me look like in this case, I don't know what's going on with this information and I work too hard at this show and I want to work with these manufacturers, but what is he doing? Like, what are you doing, Ryan? This is not how you deal with people. If you say you're going to do something, just do it. And don't engage me if you don't want to work with me. But don't go both ways. He plays both sides of it. And it's really weird. It's really strange. And I know most of you don't really care because we know that this game is going to be pretty incredible. And this game is going to be pretty awesome. And I look forward to seeing it. And this is the last I'm going to talk about it. But I just want to say, Ryan, now all my listeners know and you know as you hear this that you need to act more professionally with your brand because it's not cool to say you're going to get me stuff and then burn me. And then he's still not responding to his text messages. Like, I love it. I love these grown men who engage me and then they just disappear. Now, I'm here to tell you right now, I hope this doesn't detract because David Fix said he's coming on the show Monday. Monday night, we're going to talk. And David, I think it's going to be a really good conversation, but let's do it. I hope it happens. And if I sound a little bit irritated, it's because I have a baby who is seven months old. He's got bronchiolitis. He's been coughing all night. I've had no sleep for a week. And for me to schedule an interview with people, I have to schedule a lot. It's not just me and David Fix and Brenda's out having drinks with friends. No, I need to make sure that I can move everything around. I need to make sure I time it with his schedule of his sleep. And he's also not feeling well. So I hope that people understand that when we're scheduling something in a day, I really need to make sure that we live up to that schedule. 
And I think that's the way grown professionals are supposed to deal with each other. And I just think it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of respect. If you say you're going to email someone something at a certain time or get them something, you get it to them or you communicate why you didn't get it to them. And if you're going to say you're going to go on a show this week, you go on the show that week or you communicate why you didn't go on the show this week, right? That's it. It's common courtesy. And I think I've earned it enough in this pinball community. All right, let's switch gears to pinball because I know you don't want to hear me just go on rants about a miscommunication with the pinball manufacturer. And this is why. This is why I really don't care about being friends with all these manufacturers because this is what happens. It's like you try to build these relationships and these bridges. I'd rather just tell you what I know. And you heard it here first. Like you heard it here first that Lyman Sheets was working at CGC. You didn't hear it anywhere else. You heard it here first that Josh Sharp was going over to CGC if you were a club member. Now, speaking of club members, I have to say the best news I got all week, and you guys are the best fans, like Canada's Pinball Podcast. I have the best fans on Facebook. I have the best fans who listen to the podcast. I have the best club member fans. You guys are unreal. Like I went into this week with a little over 168 Canada club members. And I'm here to tell you right now, we are now at 191 club members for the Canada club on Patreon. And this is amazing. I'm going to give you guys a shout out because all of you who do this, it means so much to me and my family that you guys show this support. And I'm going to give you guys a shout out James M, Mike T, Carl S, Brian M, Jesse B, MK, Pinball Reborn, Rizzo, James A, Michael, Wolfenaz, Adam, Chris C, Tim W, Jeff K, Kurt B, Harry R, Arcade Time, Mark D, Mike V, Raymond J, Joey M, Steve N, Sebastian C, Jonathan K, Eric S, Daniel B. I think that's like, this is all since like September 26th, but most of this is all this week, which is incredible. So thank you so much. And if you're listening to this right now and you're like, man, I've been on the fence about showing support to Canada. Maybe I should because I've listened to every episode for five years. Just hit me up. Just go to Patreon, go to Canada Pinball. It's super easy and it'll make you feel real good deep down inside. All right, so what's going on in pinball? Let's get right to it. So Spooky Pinball dropped a code update on Halloween. I just watched it. Bug put out about a 10 minute video and he said like a much needed code update for the game. And I watched the 10 minutes of it. And I want to tell you, here's my here's my thoughts on this game. I want to say this because Bug kept saying throughout, he kept saying like, we've got 15 to 16 clips and you're going to see him over here and you're going to see him over here. Here's what I think is happening because I just went through the whole 10 minutes of this game and I watched him play it. And I want to say, I don't think you're ever going to see much of this movie in this game. And I think we just have to come to grips with that. Here's why, because they keep saying that they have clips that range from three to six seconds long and they have 15 of them or 16 of them. So here's the thing. If you take the fact that these are two movies, right, like three hours of content for these Halloween movies and you put on average four seconds times 15, that's only 64 seconds of clips. So I think that's what's happening here. I, I think they're sort of falling back on this number of clips they have. But the truth is, if you look at a game like Godzilla, it looks like there are hundreds of clips they pulled from. When you look at Batman 66, it looks like there are hundreds of clips 
that they pulled from. Not just stuff that loops, but all the different scenes from all the different shows. There's so much going on. And my concern with this game continues to be this, that if you love the movie, I'm just not sure how much of that movie is going to be integrated into this pinball experience based upon other theme integrations you've experienced recently. And I watched it and I'm like waiting for this moment where I feel like I'm in these films and I'm just not sure it's coming across. And I'm not trying to be harsh, but I think what's happening here is a lesson in premature purchasing. And once again, we all said we're not gonna do it and we all feel like we have to do it. But if you bought this game and you're seeing this game right now and you're a die-hard Halloween fan, I don't know how you look at what's going on and how the theme is being integrated into this game and how you look at the code of this game and you feel like those two movies that you love are coming through at you. And I think Spooky's hands are tied. I think they wanted to put more into this, but I think the guy that owns the rights to these movies was very restrictive in terms of his vision for this game that he did not want to see scenes from the movie looping over and over. They wanted to do it more like this. Here's my problem with the way I see this game unfolding. When you start a mode, don't you want it to be a scene from the movie? And then every time you hit a shot, shouldn't it be like another three to five seconds of that scene building? So that maybe you have an, a total of at least like a minute or two from the scene in that movie, then you chop up that scene and make it the mode. Let's say you have to hit eight to 12 shots to get through that mode. You're seeing eight to 12 movie clips based upon that scene in the film. That's how it's usually done. That's how you usually take like iconic scenes from movies or TV shows and implement them into a pinball experience. I'm just not seeing that here. I don't think they can even do that with the assets they have and how the game is being designed from a code standpoint. I also think the big thing happening right now is that Spooky Pinball is making two games at once. And Phasma Games, who's doing the coding in this, I think he's got way too much on his plate having to deal with two games at the same time. It takes a really long time to do code in one pinball machine, let alone two. And so when you think about the amount of time they've had to work on these games as Rick and Morty was wrapped up for a very long time code-wise, and then you see both of these games, and they're both coming out and they're so beautiful, like the art packages and the shot geometry, the way these games shoot is incredible. But I want to use an analogy. Like, I think these games are like filet mignon and lobster. They're both super delicious. We both look at both of these pins and our eyes light up and our mouths water and we want them, right? They look so good and they shoot so good. But because they have two games to code and they don't have enough resources to really make each one sing at the same time, both of those dishes are being messed up in the kitchen. What's happening is we're serving you like an uncooked steak and an uncooked piece of fish. And now all of a sudden, that steak and lobster you want is not appetizing. Everyone's taking the first bite of it and they're being like, this isn't good enough. Like you want to send it back to the kitchen. I think everyone who's seeing these games right now kind of wants to send those games back to the kitchen or back to Spooky and say, these aren't ready yet. These are not ready to serve to customers. And I think everyone's feeling that way. 
Nobody really wants to say it. Canada always has to say it. Canada has to be the bad guy. The good news is this. The good news is this for everyone who's in on Halloween and everyone who's in on Ultraman. Here's the best news of the day. The two things you can't change on a game are the artwork and the layout. They've nailed that on both of these games. The one thing you can change for years to come is the software. So that's the good news. That is the most promising news of the day. This game shoots so well. It shoots so much better than Rick and Morty. It shoots so much better than every other spooky game. So you're going to love shooting this game. This game also looks incredible. Both of these games look so much better than anything they've done before. I would argue that Ultraman even looks way better than Godzilla. I'm just going to say it. Ultraman even looks better than Godzilla. It captures that spirit of that franchise better than Godzilla does. Not to say Godzilla doesn't look good, but man, look at the cabinet and the playfield on Ultraman. It's like perfect. There's nothing I would change. But the code continues to be the albatross on these two titles. Can Phasma do it? Is he up for the task? Is this good enough considering what we're seeing over with Godzilla, right? I mean, when I'm watching the Godzilla stream and I saw them stream the pro yesterday, Jack Danger streamed the pro with bells and chimes. It was a really, really fun stream. It was really awesome to see these women who are incredible at pinball throwing these machines around and showing us Godzilla Pro. I will say their pinball skills are insane. I will also say that Godzilla Pro just isn't the way to go. Like I was missing all of the toys, like all of the destruction of Tokyo and all the cities, all that movement, all those toys add so much to this game. I would go nowhere near a Godzilla Pro. I'm sorry, Stern finally engineered the most amazing mechs. I would go nowhere near the Pro. You need to get that that building, that building is one of the coolest mechs Stern has ever done. But my point being, when I'm watching them stream the game and I'm seeing all of the clips of Godzilla, there's so much in it and the animations are awesome and the sound is awesome and the music is awesome. It's so well done on day one. And Stern has a huge team that's working on these games. And I just don't think Phasma is at the level of what Stern is at. Now here's the part where it just gets a little ridiculous. A Godzilla Premium is the same price as Ultraman and the same price as Halloween. So if you wanna charge me what this company is charging me, then you better deliver something that's as equally good. You know, Spooky's riding an incredible wave of goodwill and good faith by the community, but I think it's time they need to invest more money in the code department. I'm just not seeing stuff on that screen that looks as good as it needs to look. And you guys all know this. You all know it. And I'll be the one to say it. I'll say it to them at Expo. I still love this company and they made the best shooting game they've ever made, but the code is letting this game down. And I didn't see anything during the October 1st stream that really radically changes my mind. It doesn't. I think they really need to sit in a room and say, what are we doing here? How do we get this movie more into this game? And can we do it? And Ultraman might end up being the winner because they might have an easier time dropping all of those Ultraman TV shows into this game and they can't do the same for Halloween. So we'll see. It's also why I'm Ultraman number 500 because by the time I get my game, 
all of this is going to be figured out. So that's why I'm like, give me number 500 because 18 months from now, you best believe this game will be done. All right, so speaking of games being done, did you check out the trailer for Magic Girl, the game that just never dies, Magic Girl? There are a few incredible gentlemen. I believe they're over in the Netherlands. They have spent the last few years deconstructing John Papaduke's beautiful nightmare known as Magic Girl. And they went through the game and they fixed all of the issues with it. They fixed as much as they could fix. They engineered a lot to get this game working. There's going to be a longer video that's about 30 minutes long that should drop any day now that is going to go over all of the features of this game that they created. Now, I've been talking to these gentlemen. They're really awesome guys. You know, and when they say like the reason they did this is because the game is too beautiful not to work. So thank God for vanity in this world. And it is the sexiest pinball machine of all time. It still is. It still is. You still cannot look at a magic girl and not get excited. It is the greatest looking pinball machine to date. The other question is, are they going to release kits so people who have broken magic girls can change their game to work like this because they didn't just do mechanical stuff. They also coded the game and did a lot with it. So uh, I've been talking to them and the plan is to do that. The problem is how much is a kit going to cost and who's going to do the work? Because most people who bought Magic Girl were just rich collectors. They're not guys that are like mechanically inclined to do this kind of work. So I think the only way this is going to work is if these gentlemen have a partnership with someone like Pinball Refinery. I'm going to give them an idea. You partner with someone like Pinball Refinery. You walk them through how to do all of this work. You then have people send their Magic Girls to Pinball Refinery for this update. I would assume that this update will be a five dollars to $10,000 kit. Because think about it. You put three years of your lives into this and all this work. And you've only got, wait for it, you've only got a clientele now of like 20 people. And everyone who has a Magic Girl is rich. So they'd be stupid not to price the kit at five to $10,000. So we'll see what happens there. Now, speaking of beautiful, beautiful games, I need to give a Canadas Pinball podcast shout out to a man who's working on a project that when I looked through this thread and I saw what he was creating, it blew me away. And I've been thinking a lot about where pinball prices are going and how we're spending dollars, $12,000, $15,000, $13,000 on a Ghostbusters premium with cabinets that'll crack. There's a thread on Pinside that's capturing the work of Joris Bartkowski. Now, if you don't know who Joris Bartkowski is, you should go to the thread that is titled Indiana Jones Goes to Custom Disneyland Special Facsimile Edition. And this special edition, if you know that at Disneyland, they had a version of Indiana Jones that was put into a much more rustic looking cabinet. Really cool with like bamboo legs and all the stuff that made it look like this thing came from. Made it look like this pinball machine was an archaeological find. Very cool. Very different than what we got from Valley Williams. And it was really neat that Disney created this for the gift shop for Indiana Jones. For the ride, I believe. Go into this thread and see what this man is creating. And it is the most beautiful work of art I've ever seen. The cabinet. Let's talk about that for a minute. Why is it that every single pinball cabinet that comes out there now looks exactly the same? At these price points, when you want to make limited collector's editions, how about we do more work like what Joris is doing? I don't know if it's Joris or Joris. I'm sorry. I think it might be yours. How about we do more work like this? Because this is true craftsmanship. 
And for the amount of money we are spending on these games, I'm still not convinced we're really getting like craftsmanship. We're getting different stickers. We're getting different armor painted a different color. But look how beautiful this Indiana Jones is. And what I love about it is the way he's doing it. And this was like Disney's idea. They thought creatively about how to how to make it unique. It's a work of art. It's beyond the pinball machine now. It's an absolute work of art. And I think we need more stuff like this. I think people need to realize that all of what we're getting now is sort of rinse repeat. It's the same over and over and over again. Same cabinets, same artists, same look, same feel, rinse, repeat, but the prices keep going up. If the prices didn't keep going up, I wouldn't care so much. But if you want to charge me almost double what these games were just five years ago and you want to give me the same exact looking game, why can't we get more stuff like this? Now, I know this is a I know this is a lot more craftsmanship. I know there's a lot more that goes into this, but this is what should be going into collector's editions. This is what should be going into Super LEs. Like if Stern Pinball or CGC is going to make Back to the Future and you make 88 special DeLorean editions of that game. There should be a level of craftsmanship, like a flux capacitor as the coin box, like things in it should really blow you away. It shouldn't just have a standard pinball cabinet look and feel. They should do stuff that's really creative. But the problem today is if we keep buying at these inflated prices without more going into the product, what's gonna happen is, you're still just going to get the same level of product, but it's just going to keep costing more. Nothing's going to stop it. Nothing I say. It's just going to be the reality. But I do hope that more pinball companies look at stuff like this, especially companies who are looking to break through. Because I also think there's a business model here. And let me explain this. How amazing would it be if a company like Chicago Gaming Company didn't just exactly remake old games, but imagine if they took a game like Indiana Jones and created the Disneyland edition. Just work with me here for a minute. Imagine the Disneyland edition of Indiana Jones, and you take 50 Indiana Jones machines, and you do this treatment. You make these cabinets, you make everything look weathered, you make everything look more like beaten up, but it's still brand new beyond perfection. Like this game looks better than it did when it came out from Valley Williams. How much could you charge if you made 50 Disneyland editions of Indiana Jones. And this is where it gets interesting, right? Because I think nobody thinks like this. You, you could probably charge 25K a pop and they'd sell out in one day. And I think what all these collectors are really want, and, and I mean this, I think if you're a collector, like a real collector, you just don't want something so many people have. You just don't want something that a thousand other people have that does not feel like a rare collectible, especially, especially now in which all of this stuff is just manufactured scarcity. Fine, then really manufacture the scarcity on some of them. Really do it. Stern did it with SLEs, 80 Batman and 50 Elvira. Nobody else has even tried it. It's so strange to me. You know, Jersey Jack's gonna go the other way with Toy Story. They're probably gonna bump up the number to 750 or 1,000. 1,000 alien LVs. There just doesn't seem to be any desire to sort of really shrink that volume of a special edition and then super inflate the price. I don't know why people are not trying it. 
History has shown us that not only has that worked every single time, it will work every single time in the future. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. If this sounds like a little bit more of a fatigued Canada, it's because I am. I've been up all week with very little sleep. I've been annoyed with Ryan White. Ryan, I do forgive you, man. No hard feelings. After this show, I'm just going to move on. But next time, come on, treat me with more respect. If you're going to say you're going to do something for Canada, do something for Canada. Don't say you're going to do it, then disappear. I really look forward to getting David Fix on the show Monday night. Every time someone comes on the show, David, they come out looking great. The companies come out looking better. There's never been a single example of me like grilling someone you know, and going after them on an interview. It never happened. It's not what I'm here to do. I want to hear what the vision is for AP and I want to talk about you know, how do you launch games that are a mixture of licensed games and unlicensed games in the current climate of pinball. I think it's going to be a really great chat. All right, everybody, I'm getting ready for my Saturday morning spectacular. By the time I air this, it'll be live. I'll see you guys soon. And thank you again so much for all of you who contribute and support this show. It's been a lot of fun this past year. I'm going to be at Pinball Expo. I'm going to be signing no autographs, okay? No autographs this year. I can't do it. Can't do it. It's worth too much. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>